following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts... From Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad. And introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. It is Minute 78 of Flash Gordon. And Eric, I always ask you this, but this time I really, really mean it. How are you doing? Uh, I apologize, Brad. I have no witty comment to open today's show with. I'm in mourning and too filled with grief over the death of someone very close to me. This is a hard minute, but to, to make it better, we have a fantastic guest. Eric, who do we have with us this evening? Well, we're hitting the trifecta with the guys at Reopening the Wormhole. We had the Stovold brothers, and now we've got the third host from there joining us this week, Kevin Young. Hey, so glad to be here with you guys to talk about this wonderful minute. This is a guy who can handle stovolds. <laughs> yeah, I've got lots of experience, hours and hours of experience. You guys are the only the fifth podcast to collect all three hosts, so congrats <laughs> on that. And we broke you guys up, though. We couldn't handle you no, all together. God. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. We're, we're a lot to handle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're really excited to have you with us. Um, we're, we're fans of your, the work you guys have been doing, and uh, but this is... Oh, thank you. But this is tough, and we're just going to dive in. So, uh, Eric, what happens in minute 78? Well, uh, we pick up uh, right in the middle of uh, Clytus talking, uh, as we ended last week. So he is addressing Prince Baron, and he tells Baron the reason why he will not address him as Prince Baron anymore is he's being charged with high treason, and he's under arrest. And... Uh, he, he's, he, he's just, Clytus is filled with so much joy in his final moments here. You're under arrest. He's just, he's so happy to place Baron under arrest. He has been waiting for this moment for a very, very long time. Uh, and uh, as we record uh, the episodes this week, um, we don't get into politics on the show, but something happens to be going on in, in our country uh, over the past few days that I, I just happened to look up. What is the difference between treason and high treason? as Clytus uh, talks about Baron's high treason. <laughs> high treason is criminal disloyalty to one's government. Uh, the, then there is petty treason, which actually doesn't exist anymore. It, in in, in oldie timey England, it was an offense under common law which involved the betrayal, including murder, of a superior by a support, subordinate. Like basically, if you killed your boss, essentially, that was folded into just plain old murder. So that's not a crime that exists anymore. So there's really so so there's really so there's really only one treason now. Yeah, there used to be high treason and petty treason combining to make up treason. Now there's really just high treason and treason. I guess are kind of synonymous now. But it just sounds it just sounds better. High treason, doesn't it? It does. High treason. Right? Yeah, like I was like, oh, high treason. That sounds awesome. And then I looked it like. Up. Treason that you do while you're smoking weed, maybe. <laughs> the best kind of treason. You, you, you stole from the nickel bag. <laughs> you committed high treason. <laughs> exactly. Yes, the court case of that is just a couple days worth of giggling. <laughs> Basically, like a Kevin Smith podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Clytus is still strutting around. Doesn't really seem to be doing a good job of taking the temperature of the room. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, God love you, and we're big Clytus fans, but he did not go into this with his thinking hat on because he is surrounded by nobody who likes him. And, uh, yeah, and, 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 and Eric, you just... Just walk us through. I know this is painful for you. Yeah, so as we talked about last week, uh, to his misfortune, he brought no guards with him. The shuttle left him behind. He is all alone on Hawkman City. And and so unconcerned to the last. You know, he turns his back on Baron. Baron says his name, and he just nonchalantly, hmm, like, yes, Baron, who I, I just told is under arrest, just unconcerned to the last. And uh, it's all downhill from there. Little uh, right uh, jab to the stomach from Baron, uh, picks him up, or, or I guess grabs him from behind. Flash picks him up, chucks him onto Spike Island, and it's interesting the way that Flash throws Clytus. He he he's got him so they're face to face as he runs towards the the platform, and he throws him, but he throws him and and he throws him his head. He stays face down. I mean, anyone who's, who's watched the minute knows what I'm talking about. You would think when he would have thrown him, he would have landed with his back on the platform. But he throws him, and his face stays parallel to the ground instead. And so it's, it's just an interesting way they chose to uh, block out that scene. There's some awkwardness in some of this. They, they didn't frame Baron's punch to Clytus' solar plexus too well. You, yeah. you really couldn't see the action. They probably should have pulled the camera back a few feet just to... And also, it was almost Clytus was too much on top of Baron to, to get any real motion in the punch. It's like, eh, it doesn't look like a great hit. And then this goofy spear where... And I get what they're trying to do. A spear is a, just a great-looking uh, move because you're just bearing your shoulder into the guy. It looks like it hurts like a son of a gun. And you get the great motion of yanking your you, the your victim off their feet, and theoretically they go flying. But the problem is, uh, Flash obviously doesn't want to go into Spear Island with him, so it's weird. It's where so he goes for like ramming his shoulder into his solar plexus, lifting him up, but then he's just sort of like placing him down, and it's a little awkward, um, which is not uncommon for the action in this movie. But usually we were. We're fond of that, where the fighting should look awkward and not too polished and not, um, you know, Jet Li Kung Fu. But um, here it, it did seem like they were working real hard to, to get Clytus where he want, where they wanted him to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and he, he just sort of, like, drops him onto the spikes. And I guess the only reason that he has to drop face down is so he can do this thing where he reaches up and then falls back down onto them. But it does look pretty awkward. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's like story reasons is the reason why he fell that way, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So then comes, so we're coming up on really the thing that is burned into my memory from the first time watching this movie. Because um, as I said before, this is sort of the point within these last like five, ten minutes when I saw Flash Gordon the first time. It was on cable. My family was early adopters of cable because we had terrible reception in our area. And flipping on, there's Flash Gordon. And it's like, oh, what's going on? And then this was the scene where it's it's gross. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nasty. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, so he could, he basically deflates like a balloon first. And that's what happens to him first. And there is a, a this weird after he hits the spikes, but before he dies, and it's it's I guess they were going for because he does deflate that literally the air is just 
rushing out of it. Yeah, it's yeah, the gurgly, hissing thing going on, and you think you're sort of having a, um, like Star Wars, where Obi-Wan, um, you know, basically just turns to dust, uh, or turns to air, and, but... No, that's, that's Infinity War. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> mm, of course. <laughs> Yeah, but no, no, but then, but then things get grosser. <laughs> oh yeah, that face, eyes and tongue, eyes and tongue. One of gotta be one of the most famous images from this movie. I just the eyes just come popping out of the mask. The tongue juts out. Some white liquid oozes out with the tongue at the end of the shot. Uh, this is uh, truly a a. Uh, uh, What's the word I'm looking for here, Brad? Iconic or just... Iconic, grotesque, iconic. The, the, the eyes make sense. You know, I, I feel like the... Well, I, going back to Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's when the, 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 the Nazis were melting. You know, there was a lot of eyes popping out or eyes like melting and then going back into their head and stuff. It's, it sort of eyes freak people out. So that that makes a lot of sense to do that, but the tongue is what's really weird, where all of a sudden it just pops out of the mouth hole. It's like, what? What? What, what do we have here? And it's uh, it's off-putting in the right way and uh, really effective. But I was like, that did get burned into my, uh, my little six, seven-year-old brain. I was like, well, that's that's gross. Time to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first thing I thought of when I saw that was this is just well, Total Recall, which wouldn't come out for another ten years, but it. Certainly reminds me of all the people choking to death on Mars at oh, the end yeah, of Total at Recall. The end. Yeah, yeah, with Schwarzenegger's uh, at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah, going wow, that whole thing. <laughs> the interesting difference is in Total Recall that scene lasted it felt like forever. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Not only that, but once the air comes back, his face goes completely back to normal, which there's no way that would really happen. No, no, no. But but this it's just so quick where. And, you know, you sort of allude to it, Eric, where he hits the spice, he's deflating, and you think, you know, he's sort of looking up and then falling back down. And you sort of think that's it. And then, in a perfectly acceptable and justified death to this character, Claudius is a bad guy. He needs to get his comeuppance. But then, when you least expect it, it's like, oh, we're just going to turn the gross level up to 11 in a movie that hasn't had a lot of gross. They've had some stuff that's sort of weird and off-putting and creepy, like the the scorpion and the stomp and some of the swamp stuff was creepy. But this is the first thing it's like where they're actually going full-on gross. And uh, sort of, it's quick, it comes out of nowhere, but it's, uh, it, it, it's uh, memorable. And yeah, this is an iconic gross scene from this film. Yeah, I could probably see this influencing a lot of horror movies. I also thought of Evil Dead and some of the weird stuff that happens with faces towards the end of that movie. So it's pretty nasty. And I just timed it. It's, it, it. The shot only lasts for three seconds, but there's no way that anyone watching this as a kid would not remember that for the rest of their lives because it's so shocking and un- unexpected. I was going to ask if you guys have any idea how they achieved this this effect. Is it like a cow tongue? Did they use like how, <laughs> what is going on here? You know what? I have seen nothing at all online that ever talked about how they did this. I was interested because I was just like, if you look really close, he's just got some really long eyeballs. His eyeballs <laughs> are super long. <laughs> you know, Eric, here's the thing. 
there's a lot of information on sort of behind-the-scenes stuff with this film, and there's certainly been plenty of interviews. It seems like that a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff is more dealing with the interpersonal issues, um, with uh, Sam Jones basically leaving the film and the, the voiceover stuff. Uh, you know, we talked with Howard Blake about um, the difficulty in scoring the film and the, the, the money issues and stuff. It's weird, though. This is a movie with a lot of cool effects and a lot of cool looks, and some nifty ideas for scenes. It doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of um, how we did it stuff. Every now and then, I know, talking about, they've talked, we've discussed how the, the effort that went into the backdrop that was used in certain scenes, but not a lot of that. Yeah, and you know what? If this movie were made today, there'd be a whole 25-minute featurette on the DVD that would get into all of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It would be all, all this uh, behind-the-scenes stuff that I ignore while watching the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking at the freeze frame now, uh, and the tongue is kind of like, it's more purple. It's kind of like purple and pink, but it's purple. So, uh, you know, it could be a cow tongue, Kevin. I- yeah, that's what I thought. Or it could just be like a piece of meat or who knows. Yeah. yeah <laughs> the uh... eyes are clearly, you know, like, look you know plastic or or you know yeah. some kind of prop but the tongue does look like it could conceivably be an actual animal tongue yeah so that's pretty gross yeah it's pretty disgusting that makes <laughs> it even more disgusting if that's the case. and you know somebody on the set had to be the tongue wrangler is like all right let's <laughs> <laughs> let's try that again hey somebody throw that into a stew because we should really uh you know we should really use every literally every piece of the cow here because uh well I'll tell you, back before I gave up red meat, I used to love tongue. Tongue sandwiches, tongue tacos. Oh, so good. I don't think I've ever had tongue. Yeah, I I, eat. yeah, I gave up red meat, but oh boy, tongue tastes good. And I would really gross my wife out when I'd have a tongue sandwich. I would make a mooing sound while I <laughs> ate the sandwich. And oh, she would, get, she would get so angry and so grossed out. That seems like something that you sprung on your wife pretty deep into the marriage, the, the, the tongue <laughs> thing. And I don't know if it was, perhaps not necessarily eating the tongue, but it's like they're starting to screw with her. It's like, oh, hey, hey my food, my sandwich is tasting me back. Moo! I don't, feel, I don't think that's a second date thing. Oh, no, no, we were married. Before. Reminds me of that Simpsons joke with Grandpa Simpson putting his dentures in the burger. How would you like it if a hamburger took a bite out of you? <laughs> and then, of course, the burger gets served, and then some guy says, Ah, oh, this hamburger just took a bite out of me. Yes, there's some classic Simpsons. Simpsons comes up comes up quite a bit on this show. Ours, ours too. It's also on Reopening the Wormhole constantly, and most podcasts, I feel like. Uh, yeah, I would imagine so. <coughs> Actually, let's tie the Simpsons in right now. Uh, the episode, I believe it's a Treehouse of Horror, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, Homer and Bart end up on a space shuttle with uh, Rose, uh, uh, Tom Arnold and Rosie O'Donnell going into the sun, and they can't take anymore, so they jump into space, and their heads kind of pop and explode, and their eyes look very similar to Clytus in this shot. No, yes, yes, I remember that one well. And they were on a spaceship that was being shipped into the sun, and uh, there was Tom Arnold and Pauly Shore. And I was like, yep, that's... Pauly Shore. Getting a little off track, which we're not going to do too much this episode, but yeah. Well, the crazy thing is, Tom Arnold and Paula Short voicing themselves. I was like, wow, that, uh, you, you just have no pride left if you, the whole point is you're playing yourself. 
and the concept is you're so irritating and useless that society decides to shoot you into the sun. And Tom Arnold's like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> you got to be able to poke fun at yourself, right? I guess so. But that's that's a pretty big joke to take. Just like you're you're the worst human being. We want to kill you in a horrible way. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. I'll be part of that joke. Sure. It's like the, there is pay involved, right? Because I'm no longer getting Roseanne's money. Yeah. How recent was that one? I wonder. Sorry, I don't mean to keep this tangent going. <laughs> I just don't remember that episode. Oh, uh, it's it's an old one. It's it's from a long time. It's got to be from 20 years ago. Ah, okay. The good old days. Yeah, see, between season 8 and 11 that are viewed as the, you know, the peak years of that. So I think it was in that area or adjacent to it. So cool. getting back to uh, eyeballs, um, <laughs> as we're talking here, I'm, I'm thinking of other movies that have disgusting eyeball scenes. And, and two just popped in my head. Where they find someone hung up and, and there are crows or vultures eating the dead guy's eyeballs. Oh, and which was this? Excalibur. Excalibur, I remember that. That is the yeah. only thing I remember from Excalibur. I think I watched <laughs> it as a young child and saw that scene and was so horrified that I don't think I could finish it. <laughs> That's funny. I watched it as a young child too, and yet I, I watched it again as an adult. <laughs> uh, I have not come back to revisit it. Is it worth revisiting? Um, It is if you go into it but you know, knowing that it's just so out there, the movie is just so completely insane. So if you know that going in, then you'll probably enjoy it. If you're expecting like a real, you know, serious Excalibur thing, it's yeah, that's not what you're gonna get. <laughs> that sounds like my kind of movie. <laughs> a lot of yeah, crazy cast because that was '81 and uh, Helen Mirren, uh, Liam Neeson, and Patrick Stewart. So all those people young. Which is just crazy because it's hard to imagine, you know, Patrick Stewart young. And I want to add Patrick Stewart's character in that movie. His name is Leon DeGrant, and I think that's the greatest name in movie history. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we want you to be in this movie. It's like, oh, how, do, you want, do you want to know how much it pays? Like, well, what's the name it called? Leon DeGrant. It's like, I am in. <laughs> Keep your money. And so the other movie that's popping into my head uh, involving eyes is the the remake of The Blob, the one from the late '80s. There is a scene where a woman is trapped by the blob in a phone booth, and she looks up and she sees a guy that the blob's already eaten. He's dead, but like he's not fully absorbed yet, and his face like slams into the phone booth glass, and like his eyes move uh, like in his dead. Boy, I don't remember that scene. So yes, those are some. Uh, I you know I tend to avoid eye stuff. Uh, it does freak me. <laughs> well, I'll give you. I'll give you a. Gr- I'll give you a gross tongue one too, Brad. If it's if it's not if uh, if your stomach can handle it uh, at this point. What there's one of the Freddy Krueger movies when his tongue gets super long, like his head's all big and his tongue comes out like thirty feet or something like that. Can't oh yeah, one. You know what I'm talking about? It's number about? three. Yeah, that's that's three? Uh, okay. Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. Okay. He turns yeah. into a giant snake. Are you talking about that one? Yeah, yeah. Or there's actually that that same thing happens in Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I think. Or no, his, that's different. His mouth gets really big and he tries to eat the kid. I know the Freddy movies pretty well. <laughs> but yeah, Freddy's got a lot of gross tongue stuff in yeah. his movies. Yes. Yeah, the only gross tongue one I remember is the movie Warlock with uh, Jillian Sands where he was some sort of evil demon warlocky thing. And he, the way he killed a guy was, and it was pretty weird, the guy, the guy was cooking food. He had a, a, a pan on the oven that was heating up, and he chopped off his finger because he needed a magical ring from him. 
And then Julian Sanchez the Warlock kissed the guy, and you see, which was like, well, okay. And then the the guy just looks in terror, and there's I think there's like a little blood dripping from his mouth. Turns out Julian Sands didn't really kiss him. He bit his tongue off, turned to the pan that was on the oven, spit the guy's tongue onto it, and started cooking. Oh, wow! I feel like I need to watch Warlock yeah, now. It's like uh, okay, it's, it's <laughs> if nothing else, that was uh, a creative moment. Uh, it's just like well, I'm pretty sure that's never been done before, so. That's something. Uh, my my uh, my. We're gonna bring food back into this, uh, guys, uh, because I I have to uh, pass along this note. Um, when I told my sister I was gonna be doing this podcast, she said, "Well, make sure you know you you, you get into you know Clytus's death." And this is the exact sentence that she wrote me in an email. To this day, I have a hard time seeing sunny side up eggs because the yolks remind me of the eyeballs bulging. Oh my god. <laughs> They do look like little eggs. <laughs> oh, well, now she's ruined it for all of us. There you go. So everyone enjoy your eggs on Sunday morning. <laughs> uh, yep. I'm going to arrange them in a Clytus's dead face <laughs> arrangement. Well, you can make the bacon. It could be the tongue. You can exactly. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. But I do want to say, do you guys think, as, as gruesome as this death is, considering that he's the number two villain of the movie, is his death death too easy and too quick uh i think that the suddenness is and the shock of what happens to his face is kind of what makes it effective <laughs> that's my okay. opinion of it mm. yeah because I sure, I sure didn't see it coming it's just a sudden like hey clytus guess what punch and then throw onto the spikes and i was like right. oh i didn't see that coming i think it works because he's so unprepared for this uh, if he would have had a bodyguard or a shoulder uh, a bodyguard or a weapon or one of the, uh, you know, he didn't even have one of the stupid death, floating death balls with him. He was so not ready for this. If he would have had, like, if he would have come looking for battle, I think it would have worked better. I mean, then it would have worked him, like, duking it out. And But, no, the whole, I think the whole concept is, is he's so confident that no one's going to dare touch him that he can just come in and say, well, we're going to kill you and high treason and... Just basically spitting in Baron's face uh, because this is a man with a lot of pride, and he's just like, "No, you're not a prince anymore," and da da da. And he's so unprepared for this that getting pun- he, he can just get turned around, get punched in the stomach, and get thrown onto the spikes, and he's not ready for it. So it actually matches the character and what they're trying to do. But it is it is something crazy where Clytus has been built up the entire movie as being a formidable um, enemy to have. And now he's a punch and getting thrown onto the, the, the Spike Island, and that's all it takes. It's, it, it is surprising that he didn't last longer or was able to you know, go through a couple of the Hawkmen before getting, uh, getting ended. Yeah, I certainly didn't expect him to uh, die this early in the movie. And I can tell you right now that I think I may have seen this movie once as a child, but I watched it yesterday in preparation for this podcast, and it was, I think, the first time I'd seen it all the way through. And I sure did not expect Clytus to die this early on. <laughs> I thought that he was going to be, you know, there's going to be some big battle before the final mano a mano with uh, Ming, but oh well. This movie goes in weird directions with uh, how the fights happen, so and this is the, the first sign of that. Right, right. And so then he's lying there dead, and now Voltan is pissed. And he's pissed at Flash. He comes to attack Flash. But remember, 
Baron hit Clytus, held him, said Flash, threw him into Flash's arm. Baron is really the instigator of Clytus' death, but Voltan immediately goes for Flash. Yeah, some, first off, just first time we're seeing ticked off Voltan. Um, and we've seen a lot of different, Voltan's, I think, maybe a little bit irritated or a little bit bemused, but this is the first time he's furious, and he, and it's also the first time he's just been mad at Flash, because he's enjoyed Flash. Um, so, yeah, we're seeing a whole lot of new stuff here, and, but you're right, he's, he's really going after the wrong guy. Do you guys think that maybe he's he holds Flash responsible for this sudden change in Baron? Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Um, we talked about this last week, but this, the, you know, the end of this minute continues Baron's stunning turnaround. I mean, a minute ago he's trying to kill Flash, and now he's telling uh, uh, Voltan that no, 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 this is the first step forward. You know, f- you know, Flash is showing us the way. Uh, you know, you know, join us, Voltan, uh, and so. It certainly continues Baron's stunning turnaround, who has been Baron's mortal enemy. Let's remember, these guys hate each other. And he was looking for an excuse to kill Baron the whole movie. So unless he just views Flash as, you know, this, you know, this guy who just showed up two days ago. And now look already, look at everything that's happened ever since this guy showed up. That's a good point. I mean, maybe it's just reactionary because he, like, you know, he sees this thing happen and his immediate reaction is like, oh, my God, you just, like, you brought, you you know, you're bringing chaos to my kingdom. And his reaction is like, I need to, you know, it's just a gut reaction. I've got to go kill the guy who just killed this dude. And he's not thinking through, like, oh, actually, it wasn't Flash's fault. It was Baron's fault. Right. Yeah, just like a gut reaction. But I don't know, I'm just you know, speculating. Well, that's sort of what we do. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I ever do. And so then Voltan uh, is like, all right, you know, he's like, we got to get out of there. He, you know, he says, every, you know, you know, grab what you can. Let's get out of here. He obviously knows, you know, Ming's going to be sending the people after him. Uh, and I think that some of the actors in this scene did not quite get the direction because there's a lot of them just standing around watching the dialogue unfold after Voltan has told them, you know, let's get the hell out of here? Yeah, they're not moving too quick. They're, uh... Yeah. And, and the Hawkmen seem to be uh, very uncomfortable in their costumes. It, it, it seems like this must have been <laughs> at the end of a long day, uh, because they're sort of shuffling a little bit. I was like, you know, I think this has just gotten to the point where these costumes are very uncomfortable. They're sort of... They filmed all this stuff and with them just standing around and it's been called out that you can see as some of the extra work where they just look bored and tired and probably a little cranky. So they're just not moving very fast under those uh, with those wings. Yeah, I can definitely see a lot of them just sort of like wandering around aimlessly in the background. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a funny effect. Well, I think it's um, Roger Ebert talked about that where and it's one of those things if you see once, you, it becomes hard not to see in other films here. So you can tell... Uh, with battle scenes, how as the scene as the camera pans back and the scene spreads out, everyone's sort of in the center of the action. These are you know, usually the name actors, and often like the fight choreographers who then you know are often soldiers in scenes anyway. And it's really intense fighting, and they're you know great facial expressions, and they look like they're really taking swings at each other. It's like as the scene spreads. All of a sudden, you get to the guys who are getting paid fifty bucks an hour, and uh, you know they have an audition for another movie. and They don't want anything to happen to their face, and they're becoming much more careful, um, and also just bored and not into it, and they're not making enough money to care. 
Um, so that's sort of what we have where the further you get from Voltan and um, Flash, the more uh, disinterested and less engaged and tired and cranky everyone else is. Yeah, you can definitely see that with the dudes in the like in the distant background in this scene. <laughs> they just are like... They look like they're looking for a place that they can walk off set. Now, it's funny. I just said Voltan, and I sort of listening to episodes, I switched between calling him Voltan and Volton. And I realized the reason <laughs> I do that is because Flash does not say Voltan, uh, at least in this instance. He, he does sort of like go with a softer A. He's like, Volton, we, 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 uh, while trying to... To, to win him over, it's like, oh, okay, that's why I do that, because Flash is screwing me up. <laughs> uh, and it's not the right way to say Volton doesn't sound right at all. It's like Voltan. It has to have that, like, you know, good second syllable to it, because it's, for God's sakes, it's Voltan. Yeah, otherwise, it sounds like you're saying Vulcan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, Eric, what else? I know it's it's tough. You, you've sort of suffered a great loss here. So, what, what other <laughs> notes do you have for minute seventy-eight? Uh, all we have left uh, in this minute on, on my end is we've got uh, two uh, Howard Blake musical cues. Howard Blake number thirty-six. We get some fast dramatic music during the murder, the treacherous murder of Clytus, uh, and then there's some very slight tension-filled music uh, near the end of the minute. Uh, I'll call that cue number 37 as they all talk about what's going to happen next. Yeah, all right, right. Yeah, so we, we love our Howard Blake. Uh, you know, we, we you know, love uh, his music cues. Uh, and, uh, you know, feel a little bad, um, as we always do. Kevin, you, you're lucky you get some uh, some Howard Blake. No queen. Uh, no queen, not yet. Not yet, so, you know, there's, but that's okay. Uh, still some great stuff, yeah, and yeah. You, you, get, you get to see uh, definitely Eric's favorite character, a favorite character of everyone involved with this show, I believe, uh, Clytus, and uh, not not the worst death. You, you sort of liked him to get a couple of shots in, but not a bad death, and you, you got to see that. It's probably the most memorable death in the movie. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think um, Ming certainly, well, well, we'll talk about Ming later. There's other good deaths in this movie, but nothing uh, nothing as shocking as this. All right, well, uh, Jack, if you can, uh, I mean, uh, all right, Jack. Kevin, can you uh, tell us a little <laughs> bit more about, uh, we've talked about reopening the wormhole before, but it's, uh, it's such a great show. P- uh, please plug it. Sure, yeah, um, I I co-host a podcast about Deep Space Nine. We watch every episode of Deep Space Nine in random order with Sam Stobold and Jack Stobold. And uh, we re- try to release them every week. We just did a bonus episode about Wrath of Khan recently. So, you know, you can go seek that out if you want to hear us talk about Wrath of Khan, Star Trek II. Um But, yeah, seek it out. It's a great show, and I love doing it. And I write a bunch of original music for it. So check that out. Uh- Eric, uh, where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? Find out more on Facebook. Chat with us in our listeners group, the Flash Gordon Minute Listeners Vortex. We're also active on Twitter, Flash Gordon Pod. And we do have an email address, flashgordonminute at gmail.com. We ask uh, for all the ratings and reviews that we can get on iTunes. The uh, more ratings and reviews we get, the better visibility we have. Uh, we want more people to join the fun because uh, we're having a great time. But, Eric, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just concerned. Ah, concern, deep concern. Because, uh, man, I just love doing the show with you, and we're having a great time, and I'm just worried that now that Clytus is gone, is your heart going to be in it? Are you going to stay with it? Well, you know, uh, in in these trying times of life that we have, and 
all bodies return to the dust from whence we came. You know, one considers one's place in the universe and their own mortality and what might happen to my facial features when I go. You know, will my nose <laughs> explode or will my ears ooze? But when we get those kind of concerns, Brad, don't worry. Flash will save every one of us. Attention listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at Flash Gordon Pod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute.